Why not? Why not? God, we're missing someone. We are. He's missing in action today. We still, yeah, he is in um, ICU with chlamydia. (laughs) (laughs) No. Our fearless leader is, uh, has H1N1 pig flu. Yep. Is that what it was? Uh, West Nile? West Nile. Some sort of bird flu. Yeah, I'm not sure. He raises chickens. He does. Getting way too close with those animals. Um, but we're going to have a great show today, despite it. Will we not, Mike? Yes, we will. Yes, we will. Big show for you guys today. Ladies and gentlemen. Glass Half Sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Glass Half Sports, and welcome to September. Uh, Sports are definitely starting to heat up. Baseball, we're getting closer to the postseason, and NFL football is, what, a week away, 10 days away? So we have a lot of sports to talk about with you guys today. Uh, This is Glass Half Sports with Mike and Nick. Uh, No Nick today, and I am back from my, what, three-week sabbatical? Uh, It seems like we are allergic to each other. So today, I'm going to be joined by our great producer, Gabe Noah, in the back. Yes. Uh, we, we might have some picture and picture stuff for you and, uh, we'll, we'll get through it. Today's going to be a little bit of a fun show, a little bit more relaxed show. Uh, Nick is definitely our fearless leader. So without him, we were struggling a little bit today, but we're here and we're going to deliver the sports to you guys. So as always, make sure you share on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, YouTube. You can check us out on Patreon as well. Uh, and then post show as always, we can be found on MCN six, which is cable. You can access that through your Roku as well on the app. Uh, so with that, Gabe, let's get into it. Uh, we're going to go baseball roundup first. W- then we're going to talk uh, Minnesota Vikings. They did a lot of roster moves getting ready for the Packers here in about 10 days. Uh, there are a lot of surprising NFL names not on teams currently. So we're going to touch on those. Uh, we have to do a preseason roundup. There was a lot of stories that happened in like week three of the preseason or even practice this past week that we should touch on. Uh, we have an obligation to our fearless leader who is not here today to talk about UFC as well. I'm going to struggle yes. through that. If you guys have watched the show in the past, I'm definitely not super well-versed in my UFC knowledge, but with Gabe in the back, uh, we're going to push through it for Nick. And then I want to talk a little college football as well. College football starts this weekend and there's a few sweet matchups. Uh, so let's kick it off with a Minnesota twins check in. Um, I did think it was funny as Nick always does. He did the run sheet for the show today. Uh, but he always does it like Friday or Saturday going into the week. Um, and at that time, he had for the Minnesota Twins, let the plummet begin. Um, basically, <laughs> since that day, we went on a five-game win streak, which just ended last night. Um, and with that, I believe we are one and a half games back of the Cleveland Guardians. Gabe, there's about 30 games left, uh, one and a half games back. How are you feeling about the Twins right now? And oh, I'll man. Kind of go into my spiel. We're going to win it all, man. I guarantee it. No, <laughs> right. of course. The eternal optimist in Gabe Noah. Yeah, hell no, man. We're, we're, we're They've already shown that they don't even want to win that much. You know, we, that's yeah. That's what I saw, too, last night. Um, very frustrating. Had runners, in scoring, or runners on first and second. No outs. Down by a run. Baseball has told you for 100 years. You bunt. You move them over to second and third. Now they're in scoring position. Uh, instead, Rocco lets Luis Arise swing away. And then we ground out into a double play after him um, and lose the game. So 
when you mentioned this earlier, I didn't realize Luis Arise was at the plate. Yeah, great with the stick, too. Can definitely lay down a great bunt to move those guys over. Well, now I'm saying I'm not as hypercritical of his call. I don't know what Arias, like what his earlier at-bats were like. Sure. I don't know what kind of, but if there's anything that I just absolutely want to vomit about is this new sabermetrics revolution where the, you don't bunt, you don't manufacture runs, you don't steal bases. Um, I used to pitch. You did too, right? Yep. I was a little better, of and course. Nick, but, um, Nick actually pitched uh, at a higher level than me. So Really? Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, man, you know what it feels like when the game is tight and a runner you know he's going to steal. Everyone knows he's stealing. Like, I was pretty mentally strong with that stuff. It is in your fucking head. Oh, There's definitely. no doubt about it. Definitely. Let alone you might force throwovers, pickoffs when someone bunts. It puts pressure on a defense. I just I can't fathom that your math is going to be that much better over the long run. Like, I get over the long run, right? right? That right. we want to hit three-run home runs. But we're in this game right now. <laughs> and it just, I don't know, it just makes me fucking ill. You know, I think this is the conversation that we should have about the Minnesota Twins right now is they are so numbers based when they want to be. Yeah. Um, they follow the sabermetrics. They do what they should statistically. And then you look at their roster. How, if you are a statistically based team, do you even have a reliever in your bullpen that has the highest home runs per nine ratio of all time in Emilio Pagan? Like if you are going to again, say that again. So he has the highest home runs per nine innings pitched of any reliever ever. And he's on our team and he's on our team. Terrific. (laughs) I'm thrilled to hear that. Right. So it doesn't make sense if you're going to be, if you're going to steer into the skid of being a numbers based baseball team, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say I agree with it, but at least be consistent because yeah. Continuing to trot Pagan out onto the mound, it just doesn't make sense. It really just doesn't make sense. Let me ask you this. Has Byron Buxton had a good year? I would say he's had a good year, yes. Um, what it, do you say it, that it, for? Bec- well, it, I, I didn't say that he had a great year. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> um, and, it, and it goes back to the conversation that Nick and I were arguing about when Nick wanted to re-sign him. And I was like, yeah, I was indifferent on it. Because now we're hearing that the knee is bothering him again. He's basically delegated to a DH role if he comes back healthy anyway. Um, Byron Buxton was like the best that never was in center field for the Twins. He is, he is the closest that this world has to Ricky Henderson. Potentially. Right. Yeah, yeah. Potentially. No, I'm just and saying that's the problem, set. right? Yeah. Skill set. Exactly. Yep, absolutely. Exactly. But. With a bad knee and not being able to play center field, with not stealing bases because he could get hurt, uh, he's just not who he should be for the Minnesota Twins. And it's frustrating as a Twins fan to see your young prospects like Buxton, like Royce Lewis, like Kyle Garlick, who's finally back and playing well, just consistently get hurt and not be who they thought that it would be. Um, so Very hard not to do the Danny Green drop right there. Very hard. They are who we thought they were. They are who we thought they were. And we yeah. let them off the hook. And But Buxton was not who we thought he was. No. No, he hasn't been. Um, yeah. And I'm going to stand by my argument with Nick in the offseason that because he's not who he should be, I would have been okay with moving on, to be honest. 
because you would have gotten something for him because Absolutely. the whole MLB is tricked into thinking that Byron Buxton is this 30 home run, 40 stolen base guy, and he's just not even close to that. This was the most... Hear ye, hear ye. Right. Mike just said something really smart. We would say, sorry, I didn't mean that to be an no, insult, you're good. but it was. It happens once in a but while. Yeah, right? yeah. But it's just like, yes. Just like I used, was saying about Mike Trout, right? I wanted, I'm like, if I was the angel, I'd trade Very Mike similar Trout. argument. Yeah. Very similar argument. They absolutely should have. We yeah. are, the Major League Baseball is so in love with a big, you know, your big name, your big stat guy who puts up big numbers. And it's like, they just don't. You need five of those guys to win a championship. Right. right. It's just not. Or you get nine guys that bat 280 and play good fielding and are there in the lineup every day. Right. Like that's. It's it's funny how all these teams had success with that formula. Like, I think about that as a really 90s MLB thing where guys were just playing every day. Their averages throughout the lineup were 280, 285. Good fielders, but they gelled well together. That confidence piece with runners in scoring position, they were bunting, getting guys over. Like, that's the way baseball should be played. Mm-hmm. And we've we've gone away from it. We've gone towards the stars who need load management, who need this, who need that, who will bat 190 but hit 40 home runs. It's, I don't know, it's sad to me a little well, bit. I feel like an old man saying what I'm saying. Were you, well, but, hey, no one's going to out-old man me on this show here. But right. um, were you here the week when I was talking about Billy Ripkins? rant about like i was not oh my god oh my god i love billy he said what i have felt in my my um scrotum it's something i'm <laughs> very passionate there. about deep, deep, deep the deep stuff um he was he was talking about how you see someone hit a home run now and they'll go one for five with a home run and they run around the bases like you know pumping their fists like they had like they had a good game right so we talk about averages byron Buxton being the greatest example, I despise. And I mean despise this new thing of that we don't care about average. We don't care. like, And I'm not even saying it's the be-all, end-all. But it is an indicator. I played a lot of baseball. A guy who's batting 225 is not the dude who you're terrified to face. It's just not. Well, and that goes back to your argument of you maybe wanting a rise to swing away last night. Right. So normally, hold on. All I'm saying there, though, is normally I say... There's probably five guys in the league that I consider not bunting there. Right. You know what I mean? And, and that's that's the all I'm saying. The average leader in September. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. But but I didn't see his earlier at-bats. Um, so. so just to cap off this conversation, then we'll kind of look ahead to the Twins' schedule. Byron Buxton for the season, 224 average, Gabe. Oh, 224. Drop 224. 28 home runs, 51 RBIs. And how is he getting paid? Uh, like $10 million, I think. Well, that's actually that's very it's, sad it's, to say. That's like a deal. It's 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 a, it's a decent deal. Fair, but I don't know. With his defense, it's fair. Yeah, with his defense, that happens twenty games out of the year. That's true. Yeah, you just you can't make up for being in the freaking lineup, right? Like, I mean, that's the at best the end of, of the day. I, I, Nick says this all the time, and he's kind of won me over on it. The best ability is availability. Yeah, it really is. If you oh, can't dude. play, I don't care how good you are. Let alone with the letdown with the team, the chemistry, the, you know, what it's like playing in the outfield with different outfielders. Like you you open yourself to injury shit more. I mean, what was it? Three months ago in June, we felt very good about this team because Correa and Buxton were gelling. They were the leaders of the team. They were both healthy. We were playing well. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why baseball is a long season, especially if you live in Minnesota. 
So just if, you know, I know we want to move on, but just to play this out real yeah. quick, do you see a move with Buxton after this year? And no. if so, what would you go for? I don't, you don't see, think anyone I, wants him? Well, I don't think the twins will ever move on from him. And that's why We're I really kind thankful kinda... to our, like the people who we decide are our stars. Yeah. Yeah. We are and oddly faithful. Honestly, like if you want to talk about it, Perea, when they were in Houston, I don't know if you and Nick touched on this. No, I don't but, think so. So when they were in Houston, a Houston newspaper asked Correa if he sees himself like coming back to Houston. And he basically said that he plans on being in Minnesota for a while. Oh, he did? He did. I did not hear that. I call bullshit, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to play for more money, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I'm a loyal guy. Right. Yeah. It is. It's, it's an odd... Uh, um, I haven't allowed myself to like Korea or to like get attached to him because it feels like such a rental, you know? Yeah. And I'm also not super impressed yet. Like his glove is really nice. Yeah. I'll give him that. But like I, when he steps up to the plate, I don't go, oh, yeah, here he comes. Right. Like I used to feel that with 40 year old Jim Tomey when he was on the Twins. And I don't feel that with Carlos Correa. So it's interesting. Yeah. You know, Tomey is like a top, I want to say top 10 in all time home runs. Mm hmm. He's not regarded that way, though. No. Not he, at all. But, dude, that's a guy, like, if I was a major league pitcher, I would never want to see Jim Tomey. Oh, yeah, ever. yeah. Yeah, it was like fa facing uh, the overdeveloped fat kid in Little League. Right. Yeah, you know, the kid who looks like he's big... 16 and yep. has two kids at home. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's, here that's we go. The one time when you're 12 is when it's great to be a fat athlete. Right. Because <laughs> they could just pound the ball. Yep. Well, all right. So looking ahead at the twin schedule, uh, White Sox series starts tomorrow. That's a three-game set uh, going through the weekend. And then we get to go visit the Bronx Bombers through our episode next week. So seven games. We basically have to sweep the White Sox um, because we know that the Yankees are our kryptonite, right? So if we sweep the White Sox, maybe win a one game out of the four against the Yankees. We're sitting at four and three over that seven-game set. We're a game and a half back. That's not too bad. And then we get the Guardians right after that. So we'll touch on that next week. But I would say they, they must win four out of seven going into the next seven. They must win be... four out of seven. So I think that you're on crazy pills <laughs> or some sort of a narcotic. Have you been in my drawer once more? Uh, because no. you just said, hold on. Was that a prediction or you're saying they need to do it? Uh, they need to. If they want to stay okay. in the race, because they're a game and a half back right now. No, that's true. If okay. they want to stay in the race at all, they must win four out of the seven. Now, I do see it as plausible that we do sweep the White Sox. Um, we've been playing good ball. Like, up until yesterday, we were on a five-game win streak, right? So, it's possible. It's within the realm of possibility that we steal all three from Chicago in Chicago. That sets us up great going into New York. Now, we have a four-game set against the Yankees. They're for sure going to win the series, but can we steal one? If we can steal one there, that sets us four and three over that seven game series going into Cleveland and maybe, you know, two games back at that point. And now we have a three game set against Cleveland. We can claim the, the top of the division again. So what have you seen from the twins this year that you're saying we're going to sweep the White Sox? The White Sox aren't very good. I know. In general. Um, but this is clutch baseball time. It is. It is. Mm -hmm. And we're awful on the road. But the White Sox also have a losing record at home. They're three and seven over their last ten. We're five and one over our last six. Garlic is back, which helps a ton. 
as, as surprising as that sentence, sentence is, right? Yeah, yeah. Garlic is back. Um, yeah, I don't so know. Then, so let, let, let's even do a protracted look really quick. Sure. Let's just look at this month. How do you like us closing out this month? I mean, so then going into Casey, where are they at? Oh, they, wait, I'm sorry, Guardians first. Well, so the Guardians are a game and a half ahead of us, yep. right? Uh-huh. So those are going to be vital games, and we play them what? At home. Three, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times this month. So those are important yeah, games this right. month. In September. And then what's nice is our division is awful, right? So we're going to get the White Sox. We're going to get the Royals twice. Angels are bad. This month, other than the Yankees, is pretty easy baseball. That is pretty favorable, actually. Hmm. So is it possible that the Twins are the AL Central champs? Yes. It's definitely in the realm of possibility. Don't you really put this, like, to me, this is a real Baldelli test. Yep. Right? Like, can he motivate this team to stay on top of this and take this fucking home? Can he manage them through games, mm-hmm. like, logically? This te- we, have a, we have a better roster than the Guardians roster. Like, every pundit would tell you that across the nation. So it's basically in Rocco's hands. Can you take the division lead from Cleveland? And are there any indicators of where their chemistry is at? Like where, you know, where like the Twins clubhouse is, how they feel about Rocco. Like, I mean, do you see anything? Because, you know, you watch a lot more games. Yeah, I would say, I mean, everything I've seen, they're pretty supportive other than the pitching staff. The pitching staff really dislikes, especially the starting pitching staff, really dislikes how early they they get pulled. Sonny Gray had a comment a week and a half ago. They basically asked him, like, you know, you're through four months with your new team. How do you like it in Minnesota? And he was a professional. I'll give him that. Mm-hmm. But his answer was basically, I like to pitch deep in games. Wow. And everybody's like, oh, Sonny Gray's pissed that Rocco pulls him early. And it, it well, he is. It, it happens all the time. And mm-hmm. Rocco's basis is, well, if you look at the average and the on-base I percentage think. in the third time through the lineup, mm-hmm. it skyrockets. Okay, Rocco, that's fine. Then why the hell do you take a reliever in Emilio Pagan that has statistically the highest home runs per nine average and put him in next? Right. And and why do you first also if you're looking at the long term prospects of your ball club, right? The long term. Do we not want to teach those players to pitch deep? Do right. we not want them to persevere? Do we not? You, you're just you're dooming yourself to having to constantly do this shit. Well, and like. Typically, if you're giving up hits and kind of getting out of innings, then that third time through the lineup is going to go a little bit worse. But like Joe Ryan, if he's through six, allowing two hits and has 10 strikeouts, let him go. Yes, absolutely. Well, statistically, statistically, he's dominating. He is dominating right now. Let him have the hot hand. And that's what's frustrating about the Twins is they play. Baseball is a romantic game. There's a ton of feelings and morale and confidence that go into baseball more than any other sport. If a guy has a hot hand, you have to let that hot hand ride. You have to. And Rocco never will. He Hmm. never will. Right. So it's frustrating. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about just baseball in general and some throwing mechanics. Did you want to do that now? Well, yeah, I wanted to talk about this Shohei thing. Oh, sure. That we were talking about. So. So... Yeah, go ahead. You set it up. For those of you that don't know, Shohei Otani just set another record. Surprising. Uh, He is the first player in MLB history to have 30 home runs and 10 pitching wins in the same season. 
It's insane. It's amazing. It's absolutely insane. So this is my, the thing that I'm positive or whatever that I want to ask. Sure. Do you believe we will see this again in the next 50 years? So I actually strongly disagree with Nick on this subject. Um, I think that this is going to become more prevalent, but without the power at the plate. So I think you're going to see a guy who can field well enough. I think you're going to see a guy who can hit 280 and pitch well enough. Now, is he as dominant as Shohei Otani is? Probably not. But do you need him to be? If, if I could tell you that your fourth pitcher in your rotation can pitch 33 starts for you, go eight and five with a 3.5 ERA. And then he can also bat 280, knock in 15 homers and, and play second base. That guy is valuable as well because the MLB limits you to 25 roster spots. So if you can take a guy that's even a utility infielder and a starting pitcher or and a reliever, that is two guys in one on a roster spot. It's extremely valuable. Do I think that we see it as dominant as Shohei breaking all these records, hitting huge long home runs? No. Has the highest exit velocity in the game ever? Has the high? I mean, throws a hundred miles an hour. I, I mean, I believe he pumps it up there, right? But like, he still does. I mean, let's look at some of these athletes that we're having come out now too. O'Neill Cruz. Are you familiar with him? Of course. So he's six foot seven. Slinging at 96 plays shortstop, from shortstop. And throws, yeah, 97, mm-hmm. 98 miles an hour across the diamond from short. Yeah. Could he pitch? Mm-hmm. I mean, take a year and pitch him, or teach him how to pitch. I bet he could pitch. And he hits the ball really well. So, I mean, are there athletes out there to do it? Yes. Yes. Are guys going to do it? I think it's going to be more prevalent now than it ever has been. Just because of the popularity of Otani, think if you're a high school sophomore that can do both. Are you not going to try to do both throughout your career now? Because you're just that much more valuable. So when we started this conversation, I was 100% in it, like agreeing with what you're saying. Sure. 100%. Then something just popped it. So I have, uh, you know, I like to do a little sports card stuff, right? Yep. And I invested in some Shohei cards, really nice ones, actually. I'd love to. Yeah, I wish I would have brought them. Um, And because in my mind, my one of my other favorite players of all time, favorite athlete of all time, Bo Jackson. And I would compare him to Bo Jackson all the time. And that's what I was telling my cousin who collects. I was like, he's Bo Jackson. He's a freak athlete that we haven't seen. And and I absolutely generational talent. Yes. And he's abs- he's revolutionizing kind of what we thought was possible, which usually opens the door to more people doing it. Exactly. And then I just realized, as you're talking, there's no one else playing baseball and football at the same time right now. But are there guys that could if they wanted to? Yes, but 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 why are they not? That's a great question. Honestly, yeah. what's the difference like, between Shohei and so like Kyler Murray was drafted what fourth overall or something by the A's? Oh, that's right. Russell Wilson was drafted by the MLB. Tom Brady was drafted by the MLB. So maybe it's, I mean, if we think about it, all three guys that I just listed off are quarterbacks and the throwing motion for the two are very different. And that may be why they're not doing both. How many years do you see Shohei, um, you know, like, I guess 
being able to do this? Doing this. How long do you think the angels are going to, like, do you think there's a plan in place to stop him? Or, or you know, like, I wonder if they're front office. So do that's they like the it? question, do they right? hate it? So the angels are Mike Trout and Shohei Otani right now. They're awful. Mm-hmm. Does Shohei want to stay there? Let's say Shohei somehow gets a trade done and goes to the Yankees. That would make me puke. It would. But it's a, it's a realistic trade destination. Yes, it, it, it always is, right? Do the Yankees just want him to DH? And that's what stops him. Or do they want him to just pitch? Does it, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think that's what stops him, is a new team stopping that. If he's still in Los Angeles, I would say legitimately he could continue this, barring an injury, four to five years. I got to look this up, but I haven't even look, seen a quote of how he feels about it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. does I he mean, love it? It's, it seems like he's a pretty quiet guy, right? You don't get many quotes from him, period. Right. And I don't speak Japanese. And I don't speak Japanese. Yeah. And how about this? Is he a better hitter or pitcher? If you had to pick one, one, which one do you pick? Well, let's look into it. I actually err on the, on the pitching side. As See, far as like what I read, and that's have funny though because I'm pretty sure when he came in, it was definitely the hitting side. Huh? So let's I'm, let's I'm, look yeah. into this. Go ahead, right. you look into that. I'm I'm scanning this. Thing. So, pitching wise, he has a 2.67 ERA. Holy shit! That's pretty fucking good. That's good. Um, he's 11 and eight. So like that shows you that the Angels don't give him any run support. To me. Hmm. Uh, What's his record? Say that again. Eleven and eight. Two point six seven ERA. Run support. Um, I think wins for for a pitcher is really being diminished. You know, as far as the importance of that. I'm just going to bring up Felix Hernandez every single time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, who was freaking dominant. Mm -hmm. I think he had one year with like a one point eight something ERA, and he only won thirteen games. (laughs) It's terrible. Um, but one hundred and seventy six strikeouts is impressive as hell as well. He's fucking A. Yeah. And he has, let's see. Um, shoot. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look up some stats, too, on the uh, war. I want to see. So he's the reigning AL MVP. He is. I want to know him versus Judge. Because, you know, so I know Judge I, is lighting the world on fire on yeah. a first-place team. He, I think I saw it yesterday, and Judge technically has a higher war. But I didn't know if they combined Shohei's. Because you should, right? You should yeah. combine his pitching and so let's see. I'm looking it up too. Yeah. So his pitching war for the year is 4.3. His batting war for the year is 3.1. So that's what? 7.4? 7.4. And I got, where's my judge? Comparison. Son of a bitch. So yeah, hitting wise, he's got 30 dongs, 82 RBIs. He's got 11 stolen bases too. Like it's he's insane. fast. Uh 269 batting average, uh 888 on base plus slugging. It's pretty good. Uh, it's pretty fucking good. <laughs> so who yeah, I mean, put it this way. If you were a GM of a club, who would you want? Shohei or Judge? I'd probably take Shohei. I take Shohei all day. Yeah, I don't even think it's controversial. He helps like you it, both. It's so hard. 
to have anyone win the MVP with him putting up those nuts. Like, if you're yeah. really being honest, I, I'm sure Judge will get it because of the Yankees in first place and all that, and that's fine, you know. And the Angels are in, I think, last and place they, in the right. West, right? Yeah. And who's their manager now? I don't know. They, they don't fired uh, right. They fired Madden. Wow. I don't even know who it is anymore. A fucking disaster. But, huh. like, what I see from him, too, that makes me lean towards the fact that he'll be able to sustain this is if you watch him pitch and you watch him hit, it seems effortless at times. Oh, yeah. Like, no, it doesn't I... seem like he is straining his body every pitch that he throws. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's a very smooth motion. Same with the um, swing. Effortless looking. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and, and I did read how fast he was once, and it really kind of... Well, he's like, way. he's huge. He's like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just long legs, 6'4", 210. And built. Like, I don't know. I would rather take, I would take Otani over Judge every day of the week, to be honest. Yeah. No, me too. I would. So, yeah, that's all we got for baseball. If you have any comments about the Minnesota Twins or anything else going on in baseball, make sure to let us know in the comments below, and we'll get to it later. Uh, With that, let's kick off to the Vikings season kickoff. Uh, Green Bay is 10 days away. Your hosts of Glass Half Sports will be in attendance, uh, bringing you some news about that game as well. Uh, Vikings news. So we've made a few roster moves and a few cuts to get down to 53 going into week one. Uh, We've cut Blake Lynch. We've cut Armand Watts and replaced him with Ross Blacklock. And yes, that is maybe somewhat of a downgrade at that position, but we also saved $1.8 million. Uh, Looking ahead at Justin Jefferson needing to be resigned. Love it. Love it. Trust in Quasi. Uh, we released Sean Mannion. We released Zach Davidson, which was a little bit surprising. I did like Zach Davidson in the preseason. Uh, good tight end. I think he'll go somewhere. Uh, if he doesn't get picked up, he's going to he good tight end. Very Gabe. hard not to laugh at that one. Sorry. Phrasing, right, end. Gabe? Phrasing, Phrasing matters. It does. Uh, he will get picked up somewhere. If not, awesome for us. He'll be on our practice squad. And then drum roll, please, Gabe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We cut Kellen Mond because he's bad. He's a bad NFL quarterback. So all of you Mondiacs out there, he's bad at football. Zimmer wasn't wrong. Mond is bad. Where does his? Where did he get all this um, cred? Well, so he was a quarterback for Texas A&M, SEC team. Oh, yeah, great quarterback school. Um, Johnny Manziel, right? <laughs> yes, I guess now, yeah. Um, and I mean, he put up good numbers for him. I'll give him that. Yeah, he, he was a successful SEC college quarterback. Congratulations, Kellen. That's awesome. It's right. it's. I'm being 100 percent genuine. If you ride off into the sunset right now, you need to be proud of your career. But from playing the position, from coaching the position for almost a decade, mechanically, you will not make it in the NFL. Ooh, can you break that down? specifically what is the issue sure he's mechanics? extremely boxy and rigid he's almost robot like oh uh, who's the guy who's like the the standard for that <clears throat> God, well me. to be honest th- there's a good way to be a robot like if you watch peyton manning every yeah, single yeah, throw yeah. was the exact same it was like a robot mm-hmm. but because of the throwing motion it was so consistent that all he needed to do was read the defense and he knew where the ball was going to go Right. That's the other problem. I don't think Kellen reads defenses super well. Throw two picks in basically two quarters of preseason football against second and third strings. Mm. 
Right. I'm not going to trust in your decision making, especially to lead an NFL franchise. So to be honest, Cleveland picks him up off the uh, onto their roster. I think uh, he might even be on their fifty-three. That doesn't show that I was wrong in saying that he's not an NFL quarterback because he won't play there. He won't play there. If Jacoby Brissett goes down and it's Kellen Mond next, they're going to make a trade of some kind. I can guarantee you. I can guarantee to you. And do you see a candidate for that? I mean, it could be anybody at that point. There's, um, like, look at the trade that the Vikings just did to get Nick Mullins. A seventh-round pick, which... How often do seventh-round picks pan out? It's basically a worthless value for a backup quarterback. So if a team is in a pinch, I mean, you got Jimmy G, who's we'll talk about later, who just restructured a deal to be the backup quarterback in San Francisco. If they offered us a fourth round, they'd probably part with Jimmy G. And all of a sudden, you have Jimmy Garoppolo. Do you want Jimmy Garoppolo or Kellen Mond? And if you say Kellen Mond, you can turn us off right now because you know nothing. <laughs> Yeah. Um, former Vikings. So I'm, I'm going through some headlines here. Yeah. And I got, um, so this guy, I don't know, the Jalen Rieger. Rieger. Yeah. So he was picked one pick ahead of Justin Jefferson in the 2020 uh, draft game. Oh, okay. And, so he's got skills at least, or whatever, well, should have raw skills. So he's a great athlete. Great athlete. Super fast. And the Vikings cheered in their war room when the, Eagles picked him, and Justin Jefferson was left on the board. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. But we've uh, we've traded for Jalen Rieger for basically one purpose, and he's going to be our punt returner. Um, so another cut that the Vikings made was Emir Smith Marset from Iowa. Um, he just wasn't he wasn't a punt returner at Iowa, and the Spielman regime was trying to train him to be a punt returner for them. It just didn't work out. Okay. Quasi basically said, well, I'm going to take a guy who has two punt returns in his college career. He has a punt return for a touchdown in the NFL. That's going to be our punt return. So these are the other round of uh, headlines, the more recent ones, just a couple hours ago. Vikings, Kevin O'Connell wants Kirk Cousins to feel as involved as he's ever been in the offense. I'd never heard that in the past. He was not. That's a super new thing for Kirk, right? He he was the game manager. Don't turn the ball over. Mike Zimmer's defense will win the day. Mm -hmm. Well. O'Connell is giving him the keys to the kingdom. So it's going to be a super interesting year. Yeah. 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 What, I mean, do you see that? uh, Was that something that was known last year at all? Like, I mean, that he's not getting input in the offense. Did you ever hear that? Yes. You did. I can't remember the exact timeline, but it, it came out last year was the only year that Kirk and Mike Zimmer ever met together. Oh, that's right. They hadn't met together in the years past at all. I forgot about that. Like, how do you have a starting quarterback and a head coach and you don't meet together? That's insane, actually. It's insane. Especially a defensive head coach and and their quarterback who, like, you want them to run your offense a specific way and you don't meet with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's interesting. Um, And then this, this, I think this just echoes what you said already, but they cut most of their 2021 draft class. Yeah. It's It's a regime change a little bit, right? These players aren't fitting what we're looking for. Uh, Blake Lynch gets cut. He was an undrafted guy that made the team. He even started some games for us last year, but it's because they like Troy Dye more. Like they're going mm-hmm. in a certain direction, and if you don't fit that direction, bye. It just is what it is. Um, what I do want to say about Kirk Cousins, though, is I've made the equivalent many, many times that he is a bowl of ranch. A yes, bowl of ranch is. by itself, eh, 
Not great. Mm-hmm. But you put a Justin Jefferson in Adam Thielen, a Delvin Cook, KJ Osborne, Irv Smith, once he's healthy again, and then Alexander Madison around that. That looks like a really good charcuterie board from like Buffalo Wild Wings with the ranch in the middle. Mm, making me hungry. Mm, I'm starving right now for some Vikings football. When, uh, who do we play in preseason coming up? Uh, preseason's over. <laughs> it's over? It's I thought over. we had one more week. No, it's, it was four weeks for quite a while, but it's down to three now. And then they give the week four of preseason as a bye week to everybody. Okay, yeah. And it's, yeah, I, I, I still... I'm still catching up on the 17 games thing. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So next week, uh, September 11th, never forget, we will uh, play the Packers at home at 325 week one, kicking off against a division rival. Nick and I will be there. You don't even want to know what that is. I don't want to know what that is. Excited uh, for the game. That's all I want to say, coach. Yeah, uh, it should be a good one. We'll touch on it again next Thursday. Hopefully Nick and I will both be here. No longer allergic to each other. You better uh, be. I can't do this again. <laughs> with that, let's go to cuts around the league. Uh, there's been some big names that were cut, and then some big names that are no longer or on a ro- they're not currently on an NFL roster. So will they be going into week one? So cuts first. Tyler Johnson, Minnesota kid, uh, went to Minneapolis North, played for the Gophers, played for the Buccaneers, was cut to trim down to 53, surprisingly. Alex Leatherwood. Offensive tackle for the Raiders was a first-round pick for them last year, I believe. Uh, they tried to trade him to pretty much NF- every single NFL team, and every single NFL team said no, so they cut him. O.J. Howard, uh, tight end, played for the Bucks for a while, had a huge upside, was on the Bills. Uh, Bills fans were excited to see Dawson Knox and O.J. Howard kind of together, that two-tight end thing. He just wasn't what they thought he was, and so he's on. The, he's a free agent. Philip Lindsay. I think Philip Lindsay and OJ Howard show what the NFL is. The NFL is truly what have you done for me lately? Philip Lindsay was a great running back for Denver. He was an undrafted guy, worked his way up the depth chart, was their number one, had a thousand yards in his rookie season as an undrafted running back. I think he was like the first ever to do it. Well, fast forward four or five years down the road, and he's no longer on our team. Laquan Treadwell was cut. Laquan Treadwell, if you remember, Yes. Was the huge swing and a miss that the Spielman regime took at receiver. And I think he just got cut from his like fourth NFL team. I do want to touch on this. Jalen Rieger. Everybody thinks that he is just absolutely awful because people compare him to Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson is a top three receiver in the NFL. If you compare most of the NFL receivers to him, they're going to be bad. But Jalen Rieger, who's been in the league one or two years, has already has more catches than Laquan Treadwell does in his entire career. Hmm. I think he can help us out at receiver, but again, he was brought in as a punter turner. Notable NFL free agents. These are big names that are currently not on NFL rosters that I think will be on NFL rosters by week six at the very latest. Odell Beckham Jr. is just sitting out there. Really? Shocking, right? Mm Mm-hmm. How have, like, the Green Bay Packers, who don't have any receivers, called him? It's interesting to me. Wow. Is he a freaking cancer or what? Oh. Like, I mean, is there, so, like, you know, I know he's it's always OBJ, been right? and all that. Yeah. Right. But, I mean, is it is there something going on behind the scenes that's even worse than what we're seeing in the it's media? It's very possible. But, I mean, still, his skill still outweighs the cancer that he brings. 
And I get that to a certain point, you know, if that cancer outweighs the skill, you stay far away. But I don't believe that every NFL team doesn't want Odell Beckham Jr. right now. Maybe the numbers aren't right. Yeah. Uh, Trey Flowers was a dominant defensive end in a 3-4 technique for the Patriots and then was pretty dang good for the Lions. Gave the Vikings quite a few fits. He's a free agent. Will Fuller, receiver for the Texans and the Dolphins, I believe. Just absolutely a speed burner. Again, a really good receiver that could help a lot of teams around the NFL. Free agent. Landon Collins, a great safety, hard-hitting safety, comes down in the box and makes plays. Had a huge upside coming out of college. I think he's in his sixth or seventh year. Free agent. And the last one I'll end on, Indomitian Sue is a free agent. Yes, he's not as dominant as he was in his time in Detroit. But he not only helps you on the defensive line in a rotation setting, but he helps your locker room. That's that's a captain-type guy that you can kind of get behind. Even with his dirty play, he plays with a chip on his shoulder, which a lot of teams need. So those are five guys around the NFL that I do foresee being on NFL teams by week six at the latest. How about this news? I got a news item here. That is Aaron my next is topic. Yes, sir. Oh, we're on the same page. So let's go into that. There's a few stories coming out of preseason that we need to touch on. First and foremost, Aaron Donald should be suspended. He should definitely be suspended. How does Miles Garrett swing a helmet at Mason Rudolph? And I think he was suspended the rest of the season. Aaron Donald swings two helmets at various guys. And nothing happens. It totally gets swept under the rug. I think it's so alarming. Like, like, I mean, not just that he, you know, like to me, this is not something you can write off as like, Hey, he's just passionate. He's in right, there, you know, right. like, yeah, to his me, it's excuse like, was, it was just a practice. Right. To me, it's like, no, 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 you are, um, ripped on steroids or, or, or whatever. Like you have emotional issues going on and, um, you know, I, you know, maybe he's always that way, but, um, I mean, I how, how do you watch the video though? And say that he is not a threat to the people that are on the field with him. Right. He's clearly a threat. Um, and I think it's it just goes to show the NFL picks and chooses their penalties depending on the popularity of the player and the popularity of the team. Miles Garrett was a Cleveland Brown. The Browns weren't great. He was suspended. Well, this is the best defensive football player in the league on one of, if not the best team in the NFL that's stationed in Los Angeles. I don't think it's a mistake that he's not going to get suspended. Yeah, and, and just just the fact that that he's trying that he tried to play it off, right? You know, I mean, it just who are you trying to fool, dude? You're a Super Bowl fucking team. Like you just gave your team the thing that helps you not repeat. Right. You know what I mean? It's 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 that is such a horrible move for your team, man. Like it's in a Super Bowl rematch practice mm-hmm. too. So you knew that emotions were going to be high going into it. And if you're a vet like he is, you you kind of know what you're going into. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to me that he's not going to get suspended. It's absolutely baffling. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, wow, is it bad. It's a, another bad look from the NFL. Well, way to go. Then you go into, what are the types of guys that are playing for the NFL? So uh, I'm not sure about you heard about this. Sex but the, the, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. the punter for the Buffalo Bills, former punter for the Buffalo Bills, Matt Ariza, was cut amid allegations of a gang rape at San Diego State during his senior year. Okay, I was not aware of that. Um, 
I read the account from the victim. It's kind of scary. It's really scary, actually. Yeah, um, we live in hell. She was 17, visiting a San Diego State party. And, yeah, Ariza basically drugged her cup. Him and two teammates dragged her to a bedroom upstairs. And, yeah. And so he is no longer on the Buffalo Bills amid these allegations. A lot of the times, to be honest, I think sometimes, especially with rookies, stories come out that are similar to this, and it's skeptical. This one is uh, he's going to go to prison, I think. Um, is this a good time? Can I try uh, uh, Boys Will Be Boys? Uh, nah, I don't think so. Not, not, not here. <laughs> that, is so, that is so horrifying. Yeah, it's and, scary. And I feel awful for that. Oh my god! And what, what's shocking to me is be. like the university was investigating it, and it it was like if it if I was Buffalo, you could have found out about this if you do if you did your due diligence. So two things happened: either a they didn't do their due diligence on a draft pick, which is shame on you, or they did and they didn't care, which is again shame on you. Very hard to believe that they don't do pretty heavy background. Right. So they knew. They must have known. And then the head coach to come out and be all shocked when it drops. And, oh, I couldn't sleep at night because I heard about it. It's like, you cannot. I I don't believe you that that's the first time you'd heard about it. I don't. Yeah. You know, I will give them the benefit of the doubt that it could possibly be one of those things where, you know, we're hearing some grumblings of this thing. But, uh you know, like where it's kind of like, let's but to not be, look too close. But let's to not... be totally shocked and appalled. Right, right. Like, yeah. who are you trying to fool again? It's truly People just. People aren't that dumb. Thank God that I have shitty athletic genes. So my kid is not going to be a, a top flight athlete because it just seems like it makes you a piece of shit of a person. I hate to say that. And I know it's totally not Well, and real, it's, it's but... shocking that like, yeah, like a Russell Wilson is kind of, you know, a great guy because he has never gotten in trouble. It's like that should be the standard. Yeah. The standard should be not being a bad person. Is football worse than other sports? I think it's worse than fucking MMA, which blows me away. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the the reason I think it is at times though is just the amount of athletes itself. Right? Yeah. Like on cut day alone, I think there was like 500 guys just cut from teams. I mean, what's 53 times 32? Don't ask me that. Well, it's over 1,500, yeah. right? Right. So you have like almost 2,000 players in your league. That's by far the most. Yeah. So just based on this, you know, law of large numbers, you're going to have more occurrences. It'd be interesting to see a real analysis of that. Because, I'd like to see the percentage, right? Yeah, because it, it just it feels to me like it is so much more. And how about this? You are a youth football coach. Do you ever see things or do you have any, you know, like not, I'm not asking for any dirt type stuff. I'm saying, are you aware of that as you coach these kids, as you communicate with them? Like, am I adding to this mentality? You know what I mean? When you hear boys say yeah, some shit definitely. that's out so, of pocket. Um, that's one of the reasons why I coach where I do. Um, I have a, an absolute ton of respect for our head coach. I played for him in high school. Um, not only is he in my mind, one of the better high school football coaches in probably the state of Minnesota, but he's also one of the better guys. Um, and he preaches all the time about being a good person, Mm -hmm. um, being prideful, but not cocky. 
You know, you can, you can be proud of all of the work and all of the sacrifice that you've made and be proud of who you are as an Andover football player. But that also comes with a lot of responsibility in representing that program. Our, our slogan for the day, I, I apologize, guys, I had to wear the shirt because I'm going to practice after. But our slogan for the, for the year is above the line. So if you are ever in a controversial situation, you need to be above the line uh, in your decision making. All right, let's see what Nick is saying. Well, yeah, so I was a little late. Sorry, Nick, I just saw this. But actually, before we do this, I'm going to take this off real quick because I want to kind of press you on one thing with that. Yeah. Everything you said, of course, I agree with. Right. Um, I heard that stuff from coaches myself. Right. Or, I, you know, things like that. There are coaches doubting. out there that don't say it, though, sure. which is just shocking to me. Like, how are you not coaching the whole person? For sure. And I am not at all. This is no criticism toward your guy. What I'm saying is culturally for like for us in the world that we do say those things a lot. But it's the when you hear players saying crass shit and they're laughing and it's not like I'm not this dude. I don't call people out on that shit all the time. Like I'm not even saying that. But so we kind of have an unspoken like no swearing rule too. like Mm -hmm. our coaches aren't supposed to swear unless it's like you know, pregame speech, kick their ass type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like I, I call players out on it all the time. Like okay. if I'm, if That's I'm, if I'm walking to a meeting room and they're waiting outside the meeting room cause it's locked and I hear, Oh, my leg is sore as shit. I'll say what? Yeah. What'd you say? Oh, my leg was sore as heck. That's what I thought you said. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you very much. I, I like, I think it's so much of a, um, on my podcast, I had, um, John, and I can't even believe I'm blanking on his name. He played for the Packers. John Martin. No, he was a running back from Creighton Durham Hall. And he was a swing and a miss on that. A one, stud from day. Like basically his, his high school got an NFL paid caliber, for. Yeah. 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 Like, I mean, from day one of his life, he was treated differently. Right. Yep. And he owns that really well that, that he's like, Oh, just the whole world was like paid, you know, streets paved with gold in front of him. And to me, that's the issue in a sense, right? Is that we do that kind of shit. Well, and, and I think we're, we should be careful not to go down too much of a tangent here, but yeah, I think yeah. the NIL stuff and the transfer portal new rules in college football are loaning into that. Like now a kid can transfer and play the same year. Mm-hmm. So if I transfer from USC, I can play quarterback at West Virginia the next we're, year. We're free agents now. And. Who's to stop a West Virginia booster to say, hey, you come play for us, you'll get a $100,000 advertisement deal. Yeah. Well, it's kind of absurd not to if you let them make some money or, you know, so, yeah. It's it's buying into that totally. And it's yeah. scary. It's it's the conversation that they have all the time. It's like you give a 22-year-old $10 million, of course they're going to spend it and it's not going to be on good stuff for the most part. You know, it's it's interesting. Uh, speaking of money, though, Jimmy G actually restructured his deal. Yep, staying with the 49ers. Yep, uh, and he's in a backup role. Well, let's talk about Nick's comment. I know he's sitting at home probably in that chair in yes. the Anthony Barr jersey. So also, I told you that it is whoever swings second in this, these situations that will get the worst of it. Be prepared for everyone to lose their minds that Watson gets off lighter than this punter. I think I get what he's saying also is that so this punter is going to just eat it now because they're pissed about Watson. Is yeah. that kind of what they're saying or what he's saying? I think. Um, yes and no. I mean, he, 
he's saying that Watson gets his punishment, and because of the uproar of the punishment maybe being too light, that a second offender is going to face that wrath, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think well, here's exactly the thing, though, too. <laughs> Watson was, like, more so sexually harassing. There were some sexual assaults, but, like, it was more sexually harassing other people. Matt Ariza, like, gang-raped a, a, a 17-year-old girl. These are not the same case at all either, to be honest. I think they're both sexual predators and should be punished accordingly, but they are not the same conversation. It sounds mind. like like the devil's in the details with this one, huh? Yeah, like yeah, for sure. when, yeah, and, and that's that's what I said about the Ben Roethlisberger stuff. Like so many people kind of apologize for that. If you, if you read the details yep. of it, it's just ghoulish. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, so do you think Jimmy G restructuring his deal? To be the backup will lead to issues in the locker room with Jimmy G and Trey Lance. No, I feel bad that this is Jimmy G's mentality. I feel sad for him in this very weird way. I don't know. Like, it's weird to feel sad it's, for a millionaire. Just, yeah, but. six and a half million guaranteed. If he plays, there are incentives to bump it up to up to 16 and a half. But he probably won't play unless Lance does poorly. I'd really like to know what's going on behind the scenes there and what is being said, because it's really curious, I guess, you you know, I mean, he's been whatever. He was regarded as a guy who's going to be a top flight quarterback for what, five years now. Yep. And it's, you let him do a Super Bowl, but he also threw the ball, I think seven times in that NFC championship to get him there. Yeah. Nick and I were having this conversation a few days ago and he thought that it was going to be a big issue in their locker room that Jimmy G is sticking around. And I am 50-50 on the subject. As somebody who played quarterback, and this kind of goes to Kirk Cousins Cousins too, quarterbacks typically play better when they have the confidence of the coaching staff. Well, Kirk Cousins didn't have the confidence of Mike Zimmer. He does of KOC. So that's why I'm curious to see how Kirk does this year. If I'm Trey Lance... Keeping Jimmy G and not trading him away to many, many suitors around the NFL doesn't exactly give me confidence in my role. You know what I mean? Yeah. I yeah, mean, we're going to keep somebody on the roster that could do the job if you can't. I mean, is that to you're clearly not very him? confident in me? Well, well and that's it, the thing, right? You know what so I mean is his work ethic, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it depends on who the kid is, too, right? It depends on who the athlete is. Some definitely respond to a little bit of heat. Some respond to, you're the guy. Go be the guy. We believe in you. So it's interesting. It'll be a storyline throughout the NFL season if Trey Lance doesn't play basically perfectly. So can he handle that? Yeah. Week I'm in actually, and week out. Yeah, I'm going to scan for some articles here while you're kind of moving on just because I'm so curious now yeah. for the... Um, it says, Sherman offers great car comparison for Lance Garoppolo situation. Sure. So let's just put it... He says... Uh, Reality. Why not? Why not have two engines? Sherman said. Um, hey, I got a Ferrari, and it's got this freaking brand new engine. Seven hundred got another engine. That's about five hundred. I've had it for years. That that is that's for me. That just is so simple. I mean, right? but if but if you want a second engine, why do you not trust in the engine that you have? It would be my question. Yeah. Right. Well, why? Why, why do you feel engine... the need to have a second engine? See. I don't question, whoops. Unless the first engine uh, breaks or gets injured. That's the thing. I don't question the team's motivation to keep them at all. 
I'm just saying, like, how does that make Trey Lance feel? And if he feels like they're not buying into him completely, will that affect his play? Is is this a self-fulfilling prophecy by the 49ers now? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, we're going to keep this guy who can do the job if you can't. And they're basically putting out into the universe that he can't. So we'll see. It's going to be a storyline throughout the entire season. I can tell you that. And I, I'd be shocked if Jimmy G is still a 49er if he's not starting for them at the trade deadline. Shocked. Hmm. So last bit of NFL news. Uh, Tyron Smith, the all-pro left tackle for the Dallas Cowboys, is going to miss the majority, if not all, of the 2022 season with an avulsion fracture. This sounds painful as hell. Sounds awful. So I'm sorry, and I missed it because I was trying to read this grapple of yeah. Who is this? This is Tyron Smith, the all-pro left tackle for the Cowboys. Okay. I got to pull this up because it's... Avulsion fracture is what it's called. It's when your hamstring behind the knee, like basically where it connects. So if, for those of you who don't have anatomy or understanding of muscle systems, every single muscle that you have in your body crosses a joint. So your hamstring connects just below your butt and it crosses your knee. And that's basically what you use to pull your ankle back to your butt. Well, he tore his hamstring behind the knee. Hmm. That sounds so painful. How the hell do you do that? Yeah. Well, you're probably 350 pounds when your body yeah. wants you to be 270, but you're blowing up because you're an NFL offense lineman. And then you're supposed to move like it's, it's extremely difficult to be an offensive or defensive lineman in the NFL. And if you see majority of those guys lose 40 to 50 to 100 pounds once they're done playing. I think it's based on that. That's crazy. That sounds painful as hell. And if you're a Cowboys fan, that's painful as hell. <laughs> because I think they, they're going to a rookie now at that spot. Tyler Smith. And he's their left tackle? Left tackle. Not good. Huh? Not good. Mm-hmm. Especially when we've made the argument many, many times that Ezekiel Elliott is only as good as the offensive line in front of him. And the offensive line in front of him has progressively gotten worse since he's come into the NFL. Yeah. So, Nick, if you're still watching, we're going to switch gears here, bud. We're going to talk about UFC. Oh, here we go. Hold on. Hold on one second. Oh. I think he's, I think he's uh, ringed in. Dallas is cooked without a top 10 O-lineman. Zeke is a bottom feeder running back in 2022. There you go, fantasy fans. This is insurance. It is what's best for the team at the same time, and it is what is worst for the development of Trey. Say, holy yep. crap. Nick and I are green. He must be really sick at home. Yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense that you wouldn't be here. Um, so what does he think? So, Nick, if you're on the keyboard, I just want to know what he knows about the mental makeup of Garoppolo here. And and does this make you – is he reclining into his career? Like, you know, is he just kind of done? I wonder. I think he asked for a trade. I'll look it up really quick, but I want to say that he did ask or like request for a trade. It's yeah. I mean, I've been Googling here back here and I can't find anything sort of, def- you know, like. Lynch said Garoppolo has not requested his release. If a trade does not immediately materialize after his medical clearance, the 49ers could release Garoppolo. That's from July. So he got re-signed. So I don't even I don't think he's asked for a trade. Which is shocking to me. Oh, here's from a 49ers uh, web website kind of thing or yeah. whatever, football one. It says that this, basically they're seeing it as a really bad sign for Lance. Yeah, that that's what I'm saying. That they have some, you know, 
Yeah. They clearly I mean, have doubts. Otherwise, they wouldn't be keeping a second engine in the box like we were making the analogy earlier. Yeah. They wouldn't be. Gabe, you have a vehicle. Do you have a second engine for that vehicle at home? No, I don't. I expect the first one to work. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. So it's interesting. It's going to be a story all season long. I'm telling you, if Trey Lance comes out first week and throws 100 yards and has two picks, Jimmy G is going to be a huge story that next week. They just said that uh, Kyle Shanahan said previously that the odds of them keeping Garoppolo were, quote, slim to none. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty, I mean, that's. Well, and that's kind of what I'm saying. So let's say Trey Lance plays well enough. It's week eight. It's the trade deadline. They have no motivation to switch those two. Garoppolo will be traded. And he's going to have a team-friendly deal to be traded. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's so crazy. it's going to be interesting. Uh, Nick, I, I love you, man, and we're going to do this for you. So I know not that much about UFC. If you've watched the show in the past, it's typically the, the Nick and Gabe show at that time. That's so right. so we're going to struggle through without Nick. Um, the only fight that I'm even slightly interested in out of this card, this card is this Saturday. I believe it's in Paris, Gabe. Yes. Uh, is the Ciro Gan versus Tuavasa fight. Yes. Uh, Gan is a heavy favorite. Do you see Tuavasa <laughs> drinking out of a shoe by the end of Saturday night? Personally, I don't. Um, but I gotta say, this is a big test for Gon in that if he does not wipe the floor with him, if he does not outclass him, because he is way, he has so many more dimensions to his game, right? His movement, he is a superior athlete. You He's know only been mean? beaten once. Yeah. 10 and one, but he did look, he looked, um, you know, human, I guess, against Nganu. And if he loses here, if he gets caught, cause Hey. Uh, anytime, you know, a puncher's chance. Oh, that's the thing, right? You know, with him, right? So anything is absolutely possible, but this is, this is a test for game that he just, he's got to win. He's supposed to win. Right. And that's just it. Now there is other fights on the card. I will say about two of us too. I think the first time I ever saw him fight, he was ranked 15th or so. Knocked the dude out, drank out of a shoe, super exciting, fun Mm -hmm. to watch. And then he does it again. And I think he's done it once more since then so he is climbing up the ladder and in order for him to be considered a serious contender in this weight class he must be gone do i think it's going to happen no i don't think he's that good but like you said one one swing one punch it could be Uvasa drinking out of a shoe you know we've had we've been spoiled with some really good cards recently Mm -hmm. and this card sucks yep this card sucks because even Whitaker, who I love, Whitaker is awesome. He's fighting Vittori, who I hate, who is there. It's kind of like this whole card or whatever. The top of this card is guys who are sort of um, in the muck right yeah. now. And, just, and they just, just kind of names that people know, and they're just kind of putting them together. And they're all people sort of who are directionless right now. Yeah. You know, Vittori's sort of like lost. He's not viewed as someone who's going to challenge for the, for the title. Right. Um, Whitaker absolutely had had that skill set, has that skill set possibly, but just but hasn't done it. Past the limelight a little bit, isn't it? Yep, yep, hasn't done it. So you're, you're kind of like two, really, they're supposed to be gatekeepers for the young hotshots now. And I'm assuming they just didn't have a good matchup for them. Um, and then, you know, Cyril, same kind of thing. I guess this is the interim 
heavyweight championship right. is on the line. So we're not supposed to see it that way. But I mean, I will watch it. It is interesting that it's not a great card and it's in Paris. You'd think that they would bring the best product they possibly could to Europe. I would think that somebody is still going to, I mean, how far is this this Saturday? This is this Saturday. Oh God, there's not even time to add anyone. No. And then look at the preliminary card. And of course that's just a bunch of like, I don't know anyone there. Yeah. So Nick so, wanted yeah. to talk about two rookies, but I don't even know who he wanted to talk about to be honest. Well, so Nick, if you want to comment in really quick I think, well, I thought and let us know. Jordan was one of them. Let's see. Is like one of the hot, Fighters or whatever, yeah. Charles Jordan. Yeah, Jordan and, is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's probably familiar. why they're they're there is for this guy because that's a French name. Sure. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as that goes, calf kid. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he's. I don't like. Know is this about one him. that you will go out of your way to watch? No, no. Uh, well, shit. I want to know see... how the gone to a fight yes. goes, but I don't think I'm going to spend sixty dollars on that card to Hell, watch that one fight. That's where I stand on this. Would I illegally stream it? Yes. Yeah. Would I buy it? No. Would you watch your friend's Facebook feed of it on his TV? Yes. <clears throat> Would I change <laughs> plans that I had, you know, to go do that? Like, no, 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 honey. And that's right. pretending like there's a woman in my life, which there's not. But No, no, kids. Right? We're watching this tonight. Mm-hmm. No land before time tonight. That's right. All right. Well, uh, we'll give Mick... Nick, a couple more minutes. I think he's kind of in and out of sleep. So if we don't get a comment. In and out of consciousness. Yeah. I'll let you know if he runs in. All right. Well, we're on to our last subject of the day. Just like that, guys. Done it. When it's just one of us, it goes a little quicker. One of us is a little bit longer. Longer winded, are you saying? Yeah. I am saying that. How dare you? Is that pointed at me? No. I can't tell. It's pointed at uh, the pigeon in the other seat there. I see. Um, so yeah, we're into our last segment of the day already. I wanted to touch on college football. I still appreciate college football for what it is, even though it's becoming ruined. It is the NIL stuff, the transfer portal. I still appreciate the pageantry that goes into it. (laughs) I do. (laughs) I've never seen an actual, I've never seen someone who's not an announcer use the word pageantry. No, I appreciate it. It's like a Joe Buck line. I, I love the tradition that goes into it. Mm. You know, I, I I was a part of two collegiate rosters throughout my career. Uh, mm. Played freshman year at Gustavus Adolphus, which mm. has been around for 120 years. As a big mural in their field house of all the football players going back to the leather helmets. A lot of history. And then the second school I played for was the College of St. Scholastica, who I think I was on their fourth, my freshman year, I think that was their fourth football <laughs> team ever. And it was building the tradition. So I've seen kind of both ends of the spectrum. I appreciate that aspect of college football more than most people my age. I can probably say that. But with that, we have a few really cool, interesting games coming up week one. So two historic teams right off the bat. Number two, Ohio State versus number five, Notre Dame. Notre Dame travels to Ohio State, I believe. Gabe. What do you think the spread is between the number two and number five team in the nation? Say the uh, say the names of the teams again, though. So it's Ohio State number two mm-hmm. at home against number five in the nation, Notre Dame. What do you think the oh, spread fuck. is? I actually think it's I think it's a ten point spread. I believe the last time I checked, it was twenty two and a half. Holy shit! Yeah, I think if you're a betting man, 
Yeah. You may want to bet on Notre Dame here because all they have to do is lose by three touchdowns and you get paid. Um, I'm loving this segment all of a sudden. I, for a moment, I was actually, actually hoping you'd transition into high school football. I'd rather hear about that than college. Sure. And now you got me way into it. I'm very interested in this. So Notre Dame, I'm looking up what the current yeah. line is. Yeah, please do. Notre Dame. We were talking about it in the coach's office yesterday. And if you want to touch on high school football, we can even do that really quick. We hey. have time today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can do that. Um, so I'm trying to find the betting line. Why is Notre Dame such a huge giant? They have a brand okay, new Okay, so head it looks coach. like now it's 17.5. So now it's 17. Damn, I would have loved to catch but, that at 22. But still. Mm-hmm. You're telling me that Notre Dame is going to that's if they lose by two touchdowns and a field goal, they close the spread. That's still a good betting line. So me. listen to that. Well, here, actually, go ahead. You, I'm going to put something on screen in just a minute. Yeah. Um, let me. And because we've got sort of uh, the explanation for this gap. Well, I think it's one of the main reasons is Notre Dame's new head coach. Right. Ooh, I'm not seeing that. So keep going about that point, and I'll put this Well, up. I'm almost positive it was Brian Kelly who's now in, at LSU. And they oh, have okay. an opener in, like, the Superdome against Florida State, which is going to be interesting. Um, I don't understand leaving Notre Dame, to be honest. Notre Dame is, is a perennial top 10, top 15 team, and it's Notre Dame. Boy, I, I think Notre Dame, that's like – old white guy kind of shit. Like, I mean, I have that regard for Notre Dame. I don't know if other people do. Right. But. Well, actually, I just saw a statistic the other day that said, like, Notre Dame deserves its respect because in the last five years, they've started in the top 25 and they've ended in the top 25. Yeah. That's a good college football program. It is. You know, and and maybe 10 years ago, they weren't that, but they are again. So here we go. So Ohio State's projected starting 22 includes eight five-star recruits, 12 four-star recruits, and two three-stars. Notre Dame's projected starting 22 includes one five-star recruit, 14 four-star recruits, and seven three-stars. So quite a bit of a difference in talent coming out of high school there. Ohio State ranks second nationally with a blue chip ratio of 80%. Notre Dame is ninth with a percentage of 62. That's not that much of a spread. Yeah. Ohio State has signed 71 blue chip players the last four cycles, including transfers. Notre Dame has signed 51 blue chip players. And that's not so insane. No, one is just better than the other, right? But everybody knows that Ohio State is better than Notre Dame right now. But again, are they two touchdowns and a field goal better? Mm. I don't I mean, the name I'm going to bring up is Adam Thielen. Yeah. Didn't get recruited pretty much at all out of high school except to Mankato. And now he's a perennial NFL receiver. So... What you are in high school does not make the man. A lot of guys, guys mature until they're 25. I haven't matured at all. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm still waiting. I'm 30. So to tell me that based on what these kids were at 18 dictates the outcome of this game years later, I, I don't buy into that at all. Not for a second. Yeah, no, it, it, it is odd. But at the same time, you got to think for those kids, and I don't know how many are freshmen. But playing, you know, in Ohio State in that building right. with all those people, that has got to be. But but I you're also a Notre Dame athlete, right? Like you've played at the big house probably. You've played, you're playing big schools around the nation every year. That's what Notre Dame football is about is being in an independent conference by themselves and playing top tier talent all the time. So unless you're a freshman, you're probably going to be pretty used to being in a hostile environment on the road. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's true. So the second storyline I wanted to talk about with college football, Gabe, and I don't know if you've heard about this. The Minnesota Golden Gophers kick off tonight. They play New Mexico State, who is probably the worst team in college football right now. Okay. But their head coach is Jerry Kill. No way. Mm -hmm. I thought he was Kill. I thought he died. Nope. So because of health issues, he, he stepped down as the Gophers head coach. And I think that was four or five years ago. And now he is coming back with his new program. And I want to say New Mexico State hasn't won a game in like 22 games. And how long has Kill been with them? I think this is his first year. Okay. Well, then there was a bunch of controversy about Jerry Kill, like being mad at the University of Minnesota and the athletic department and everything, and that he wouldn't shake PJ Fleck's hand. Oh, he's taking it out on Fleck, huh? But now that's the big storyline for the game is the handshake between Jerry Kill and PJ Fleck pregame. Oh, that's interesting. Right. Where do you stand on that? I I mean, I don't know about Kill's treatment enough. I know he has health problems. I mean, honestly, it seemed like he was going to die on our sideline. It did. It did. I I felt like we made the best move for him and the program at that time. Mm -hmm. I really liked him as a coach prior to the health issues. Um, Where his a lot of his resentment actually comes from is how Tracy Clays was treated his interim after him and how he was removed as the head coach after having, I think, a. I think he was the head coach for one full season and had a decent year, like eight and four outback bowl and was, was removed. And PJ Fleck came in. Is the PJ Fleck thing. Do we just say like, do we have an elite coach in PJ Fleck? I think he is an elite recruiter. I don't love his X's and O's. And I think he plays to the level of the competition a lot. So I'm not worried about New Mexico State at all. But, like, I have tickets to go. I think it's their week three game against Colorado. That's going to be a good game because Minnesota is going to play down to the level of Colorado, in my opinion. (laughs) Right. Hey, here's a little service for the people. What if they wanted to watch the game? Because that's the biggest question in all this shit now. How do you even see games? If you want to watch the Gophers tonight, you can either pay $24 for a ticket um, which might be the easiest, to be completely honest with you. Or on your cable television, if you have the Big Ten Network. Or online streaming. You just have to download another streaming service. This one's called FUBU TV. FUBO. FUBO. <laughs> Try for free. Regional. Yeah. Restrictions may apply. Yeah. I think that's interesting that you can watch it somewhere. It says the CBS Sports app, but I don't know what the hell. No, you can follow it follow. along. Oh, yeah. Yep. So they'll say Gophers scored right, from the right. twelve. That's why I used to watch baseball. Right. Whatever, yeah. And that is tonight at 8 Central Standard Time. Score so, prediction. Uh, 38-14. Gophers. I mean, you have Tanner Morgan, who's 37 years old and has been at the university since its <laughs> inception as your quarterback. He better know the offense and run it well. Do they, we have any players who are all excited about this year for the Gophers? Um, Mohamed Ibrahim comes back as... He was probably the best running back in the Big Ten last year and got hurt. He's a He was a big part of our offense prior to being hurt. Um, he's back. That's going to be huge. Uh, and then our center, actually, who I think off the top of my name is like John Martin Murphy or something along those lines, is one of the best centers in college football. So him oh, with I can't wait Ibrahim, to watch that center play. We have we have like a ton of offensive linemen that are like coming back for their sixth year because they can with the COVID season. Okay. Um, our offensive line up front should be decent, and then with Ibrahim, who I think should be back to form, 
I think our RPO game and running game should look pretty good. Um, New Mexico State is not a test at all. Like I said, I think they've lost their last 22 games or something insane like that. So we should win that one. The storyline, like I said, is going to be the Jerry Kill, PJ Fleck handshake, which will happen, what, games at 8, right? So it'll happen around 7.45 tonight. So this is a um, an article I found that is a, is a Gophers source yep. thing, right? Yeah. And it says uh, five bold predictions for the Gophers this year. Let's see how you where you stand on these. All right, let's see. Uh, number one, Minnesota finally wins the damn Big Ten West in 2022. Within the realm of possibility for sure. Definitely. I mean, your biggest hurdle is Wisconsin. And P.J. Fleck has had some success against Wisconsin, which other coaches, including Jerry Kill, cannot say. What's number two? Mo Ibrahim earns actual Heisman Trophy votes. Again, like I said, I think he was the best running back in the Big Ten last year. The Big Ten is known for black and blue football. You know, they, they play double tight, run the ball a ton more than other divisions. So if you're the best running back in that conference, that means a lot. So if he stays healthy, again, definitely within the realm of possibility. Brevin Span Ford catches 40 passes. Probably not. I don't know if we're going to throw the ball 40 times this year. Like, that's what it's going to be like. Um, Tanner Morgan, I mean, is the RPO slant specialist. So possibly, but probably not. And then the last one is Terrell Smith makes an all Big Ten team. Maybe. I mean, maybe second all Big Ten, right? I mean, I think he's going to be. I'll look him up. I guess there's one more, too. So, yeah. Yeah, what's the last one? Um, so actually there's what it's a uh, Tyler Newbin is first team, all big 10. That one I buy into a little bit more Terrell Smith. Uh, for those who don't know, he's entering his fifth year. Um, he's a DB. He's pretty freaking good. Uh, the trouble with being a defensive back and getting a claim is if you're good enough, you don't get the action. Yeah. Right. Like they're not going to throw at you. So statistically, what are you doing? You're doing nothing. You're just shutting down their receiver, which doesn't show. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, he he has the capability of being pretty good and being another DB drafted in the NFL, a la Antoine Winfield Jr. But I don't know how noticeable he'll be on a Saturday, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Tyler Newbin, again... It's our it's our defensive backs. Our gopher roster this year is old because of the COVID year, and a lot of guys have elected to come back for that fifth or sixth year and kind of buy into what PJ Fleck is doing. So again, he's an elite recruiter. He's an elite motivator. Just don't love his X's and O's at times. Aren't aren't a lot of teams older though this year? Yeah. So that's going to be the trend around college football. But again, if you're in Alabama and you're a, a true third year junior and played well last year, you're going to get drafted. So do you want to be drafted now, or do you want to come back? The Gophers don't really have that issue because a lot of their guys aren't top, top tier talent, right? Mm -hmm. So now you're getting a guy who is maybe, hey, man, you could get drafted in the sixth round. Well, now I'm just going to come back to school at 23 and play another year and maybe be drafted in the third round. You know, it's just another year older, another uh, year more mature. And in the same offense helps a lot. I think we're impacted by it more than the top 
top schools, which we're trying to be, which helps us. Are we on the track to be a top, top school? I mean, top if, we, 25 if school. we win the Big Ten West, yeah. We were in the top 25 last year, I believe. So it's, I mean, if you win the Big Ten West, that gets you a berth in the Big Ten championship game. More than likely, Ohio State's going to win that sucker coming out of the East. More than likely, they're going to be in the top four in the national playoff. If that happens, the loser of that game typically plays in the Rose Bowl. So do we win the Big Ten West? Definitely possible. Do we beat Ohio State in the Big Ten championship? Probably not. So Rose Bowl, that's a pretty successful season for the Minnesota Gophers. And who's our main competition in the Big Ten West? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Okay. Who P.J. Fleck has beaten, which is encouraging. You say he's a great motivator, but he plays down to the level of teams. I think it's his X's and O's that plays down to the level of teams, though. Like, he could just torch teams and put them away, and he's like, eh, second and one, we could take a shot here. We could score. Let's run it up the middle. First down. Right. Like, that's what it is. I mean, I, th- I don't think it's a mistake that all these guys want to come back for their sixth year and play for him. Right. You know? Yeah, he sounds like a motivator. I mean, everything I've heard, you know, I don't, I don't know it that well, but he, he is a What I will give him credit guy, for is it's know? super hard to be a rah-rah guy all the time. That's what I don't and get. He is. It's always artificial to me. It's bullshit to me. But to me, he's one of the first guys that that's genuinely who he is. Mm-hmm. Like, I would hate to have breakfast with him at 730 in the morning because he's going to be like, how's it going? How's your day going? How's yeah, your mother? Yeah. Huh? I was like, dude, Are we gonna have just a great shut day, guys? the hell up until yeah. like one. I think today's the day you're going to take the step forward. Do you agree with right. me or not? Win the day. Mm-hmm. Row the boat. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's genuinely who he is, which is a good thing. Yeah. But that's all I have to say about that, Gabe. Okay. The next matchup I want to talk about goes into the NIL thing that we were talking about. Uh, it's a it's a storied rivalry. Let me remind myself really quick what it's called. I, I feel bad for not knowing this. Um, Pitt and West Virginia are going to play each other for the first time in, I think, four or five years since conference realignment. They call it the backyard brawl. The backyard brawl. Yeah, there's a ton of animosity here. Like, fans will flick off the other team. They'll yell slurs at Like, it's bad. There's there's definitely some hate here, and that's why I wanted to talk about it. Um, People think that this rivalry is unlike any other because of the animosity between these two teams. Where does it come from? Uh, they've just played each other for 100 just years. Just a regional, yeah. They're regional. They've played each other for 100 years. I think this is the 106th matchup between the two teams. Why am I just hearing about it now? You know what I mean? Like, like did something happen that it pushed it over the edge? So, they, I mean, they used to be in the same conference, so it happened every year. It might not have been as big. Plus, both teams are probably more successful now than they ever have been. I mean, Pittsburgh just graduated, a, I think, third in Heisman voting quarterback in Kenny Pickett. You know, so these teams are a little bit better. It's just a little bit more notoriety, a little bit more notable that these two teams are coming back to play each other after five years with the animosity of the rivalry, with the reignition of the rivalry, and both teams are a little bit better uh, sitting in their standing as well. What I think is very interesting is the two quarterbacks for these teams are direct products of the NIL and the transfer portal. So the starting quarterback for the Pitt Panthers this year's Kadon Slovis, who comes from USC, transfers in. The quarterback for the West Virginia Mountaineers this year is JT Daniels, who was a national championship caliber quarterback for Georgia 
was injured late in the year, was replaced. The backup wins a national championship, and JT Daniels leaves. So you're seeing two quarterbacks leading these two teams with this historic rivalry, making their first starts for these teams as a result of the NIL and transfer portal. It's going to be an interesting one. I'm very curious to see how it goes down, and I'm very curious to see how both of these quarterbacks play. Huh. I'm kind of reading about this. It is kind of fascinating. It, it's almost like, tell me if I'm right or wrong here, but it almost seems like it's the type of, the schools are at the level where it's like, this is really our whole fucking season. Yes. Yeah. We got to win this so that we can, yeah. And it good. means a lot more too, because one of these teams might end with two losses and one of them might be to the other team. You know, when they were going two and eight and they'd play each other, it's like, yeah, it's cool. It's the rivalry. They hate each other, but who the hell cares? Yeah. Well, now they both have Heisman level quarterbacks and they're both going to be good. And they're opening the season with this reignition of this rivalry. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. And that is, is it, that's not tonight too, is it? Let's see. It says 7 p.m. Eastern time. Let's see. Is that today? I thought it was. Let's see. I guess I'm not seeing that on this let me, article. Let me check. Let me see if I can find it really quick. Um, it's today six o'clock tonight okay so tonight you'll have that game at about halftime you can peek over at the gophers pregame and see the the handshake heard around the world it'll be a good one college football kicks off man i'm telling you i love this stuff there's a ton of storylines that go into it if, if you pay attention and watch it's just so weird that you have all these kids playing and the story is always about the coaches. I, I just think it is interesting, so right? Yeah, well, yeah. And the coaches are making $10 million or something. You know, there's just so much money in it now. Yeah. That it's starting to get ruined. But after yeah. 11 years, the backyard brawl is back. I thought it was like five. But yeah, they haven't played each other since 2011. So. Huh. And the last college football game I just want to touch on going into week one here. Number 11, Oregon versus number three, Georgia. And I've never felt worse for a top 15 team ever. Like to be number 11, Oregon and your first game is against Georgia. I get that they had a lot of guys on their defense go to the NFL. I still wouldn't want to play them. Not week one. You don't want to test out your offense and see what you guys are looking at for the year against one of, if not the best team in college football. Hmm. Yeah. So there's Kadon Slovis who's coming in from, he was a USC Trojan last year. Right, and he comes out of pep rally. <laughs> and says, F West Virginia. I like how you censored that after we've been swearing the whole show. But yes. Well, they censored it. In the, I was just true. trying to yeah, be yeah, accurate, yeah. right? No, absolutely. Um, says, yeah. Uh, I actually wanted to ask you just one one quick college football thing. Yeah. I, I For some reason, I don't know what the hell this is, but Deion Sanders keeps coming up in my various feeds, whether it's my Facebook watch or YouTube. Yep. And I, I just saw something that, I don't know. It's like he's really styling himself as this leader of boys, right? And yep. Kind of. Uh, but now I just heard he took a pay cut, like uh, half his salary or something like that. And that was kind of – at first I was a little bit dismissive. I like Dion. I'm not saying he's insincere necessarily, but yeah. I just – I don't know. I just wasn't necessarily 100% buying it. What's your take on him and what he's doing there? Well, it can't be denied that he's putting HBCUs on the map. Right. Yeah. Um, just the amount of talent that he's been drawing to Jackson State, being Dion, helps a ton. Yeah. And 
let's just think about this for for a second. If every African American player that's on a true Division One team decided to go HBCU, what's the product that you're getting in a BCS championship game? Probably not as good. Yeah. So like that's the slippery slope that like some people are like worried about, but it's like it at the same time if you. So the the biggest story was the number one recruit coming out of high school. I think last year was a guy by the name of Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter had verbally committed, I think, to Alabama, and reject or like basically came back on that offer and committed to Jackson State and is going to go play for Dion. Huh. So there's there's a story there. Do top ten prospects continually choose HBCUs over Alabama over what are USC, HBCUs? Uh, historically black colleges and universities. Okay. So Jackson State, where Dion coaches, like their schedule, Gabe, mm-hmm. Florida A&M, Tennessee State, Grambling State, right. Alabama State, Bethune-Cookman, Campbell, Texas Southern, Southern University, Alcorn State, and Alabama A&M. Alcorn State, Steve McNair. Yep. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So hey. that's what Dion is doing, is he is he's a notable name drawing big recruits to HBCUs over perennial division one powerhouses i just saw this came up on um espn one thing i've heard Dion say that so i guess there's some water crisis in in there so they had to move the team off campus yep. which is obviously not not good um but uh i was gonna say i heard him say something that i really liked where they were talking about um it was you know whether it was tmz whoever but someone asked Dion if he's ready to play whether it was lsu it was some big program and he just really quickly he's just like you know, I think it was Alabama. We're not ready. Like, for would that you now. play Alabama? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, like we're not ready. Just, just really on. You know, I do like things I'm hearing him say for sure. Right. You know, so I'm not trying to. Say and I'll say this: period. I would have no issue whatsoever sending my future son to play for Dion. Yeah. Oh, I agree. You know what I mean? I think that goes back to the conversation that we were having earlier. Do you think he's a coach that coaches the whole person? I strongly believe that. I don't think he's just coaching football players. I think he's wanting good people to leave his program. Who's a coach who doesn't? I mean, or who's known, or maybe has that attached to them. I mean, you could make an argument that Nick Saban. Saban, that's exactly what I was. Right, I think he definitely. You could make an argument that he definitely cares more about the wins and losses than he does his players being good people off the field. Does he care about? Do Alabama players are they good NFL players? Typically, yes, but. There's also, it's the law of large numbers. There's so many of them that eventually some of them are going to get in trouble. So is that because of Nick Saban? Yeah. Here's a story off of this that I heard. So Nick Saban and Bill Belichick are very, very close. If you didn't know that. I didn't know that actually. So here, here's a story about, uh, I think I heard this like a week before the draft. There's one NFL coach that calls Nick Saban prior to the draft to ask about the character of the guys. And that's Bill Belichick. So the other 31 NFL teams, and this was straight from Saban's mouth, the other 31 NFL teams are about to draft an Alabama product, and they're not even calling Nick Saban to say, hey, is this a good guy? Is his work ethic good? Is is he going to do the right thing? What does that mean to you? 
that at the NFL level, it's clear. We were talking about it earlier. They don't care. That they just don't care. Oh, They do not care. I thought you were sort of driving at that maybe they don't trust him or his opinion. I don't think. I mean, how could you not? Because he's a he works in his own self-interest all the time. Sure. Or, you know, that that's kind of what I was sure. wondering. I mean, if that's what you Yeah, think. I mean, I guess I never thought of it that, that way before. Right, that it's like he's not reliable in a sense, that he's always going to say. That why would you call him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, whether it's always good, always, you know, yeah. whatever. Interesting, yeah. interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Huh. Well, that was pretty much all I had for today, Gabe. What'd you think? Man, I thought it was great. Yeah? Yeah, man, I had fun. Did you? Yeah, I mean, I definitely had fun. Only yeah. three nervous breakdowns last night, getting here early, prepping for the show, and I thought we delivered a good product. So, Nick, I hope you're happy with what we did today, dude. Honestly, that's uh, my main point of emphasis today. So we wanted to make you proud. Hope we made you proud with the studio setup, and we hope that we made no, you I'm fans happy. proud at home as well. Uh, so, as always, guys, if you are a sports fan with sports fan friends, make sure to share on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Spotify, YouTube. And you can check us out at MCN6 Cable News, Saturdays at 10 o'clock. Or you can access MCN6 through your Roku remote as well. And as always, thank you from Glass Half Sports. Stay safe and have fun. Goodbye, everyone. Get well soon, Nick. We'll see you on the other side, if not... There you go. He's doing it at home in his sick bed. NBC. No relation to NBC.